Hey, Martyr. Oh my God. Hi. Listeners want to know what's going on with your love life. Oh my God. Don't get me started. These apps have me going crazy. I'm on there for hours, but I can't seem to find a date. Have you heard of Motto? Motto is the new no-nonsense hookup app for gay and queer people. Hookup apps have become a staple in queer culture, but they also come with the bullshit. Headless torsos, blank profiles, catfish after catfish, and I feel like I'm always scrolling the grid. Well, on Motto, every profile is verified by a real human, and every photo has a face. Motto sends you daily matches of people who match your interests and kinks. There are no fees, no ads, and no nonsense. I love that. Sounds like my kind of app. Get Motto today by going to the link in this episode's description or use invite code ZVOGS when signing up. That's ZVOGS when signing up. Ooh, I think I will. Motto, gay and queer hookups without the nonsense. Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. go flying oh hi kids hello um hi happy pride month we're if ish ish we're like we're halfway through it yeah well like this is gonna be like last week of june slash beginning it's still june bitch okay (laughs) okay and Pride's every month. Pride is every day. Pride every I, told, day. I told that to an Isley customer. I'm oh like, Pride god. is every day. Oh my god. It's true though. It's I think we need more of that energy moving forward. The Pride every day. Let's, we let's do. live that this year. Especially, especially lately. Um, I'm Arts here. I'm C. Tepper. And this is <laughs> our special Pride edition. Um, we're doing a recap of some Pride stories that are important to us. As we did Pride last year. History. Pride history. With... Did we do it last year? I feel like we, we did. Yeah, oh, we, we did, did last year. Yeah. We did. Wow. Yeah. It's and been a whole I think year. this is our third one, actually. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I definitely knew we've done it. Um, we have our <laughs> the same special guest as last Yay. year. Our favorite. <laughs> Mix Gina Tonic. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Yay. Take Thank you for having me again. Thank you for coming on again. You're, I'm yeah. like, you're the only person that this makes sense for. Yeah. <laughs> In the best way possible. Because I'm like, no one else yeah. cares. It's been really cool, honestly, like, going to gigs recently and, like, being introduced as, like, this, you know, usually it was, like, you know, Gina Tonic, whatever. Now it's, like, Gina Tonic, she's making waves on social media talking about drag history. And I think that's really cool. So I, like, cool. I'm happy that like, that's like my new legacy. Like we're. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I love that. Um, we're, we're like the only nerds who care about this stuff. So I was <laughs> literally just thinking today. I was like, I'm so excited to talk with them. To, like the smart people in like my life. Like, I oh my gosh, she so, thinks, like, no offense she to thinks we're else. smart. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Gina, since we last talked to you. In the past year. Past year. <laughs> Tell us some updates. How's your life going? What's new? Life is great. Um, that's a lot, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but things have been cool. I, you know, I I really have taken a focus this year, uh, kind of like we've talked before about educating people about queer history and drag history, and you know, have posted some things on TikTok and Instagram that have 
taken off and taken me to cool places. Um, I got to work for the Walt Disney Company doing uh, some social media work for them for The Lion King on Broadway. Oh, so, uh, oh I saw that. My, yeah, I saw go that, watch yeah. my video about that. Did a little review of The Lion King. And if anybody listening uh, works in social media marketing for Broadway shows, hit me up because I am a Broadway queen and I would love to see more shows and make videos about them. So hit me up. Um, I also, by the time this airs, um, I think there will be like a week or so left, but I'm currently working on putting together uh, the Museum of Drag, um, which is going to open. It will, by the time this airs, it will have opened already um, at the Brick Ox in Williamsburg. Oh, uh, but yeah. we are doing, yeah, we, we've done, I'll say in past tense, we've done um, exhibits about drag bands, which I'm curating. There is an exhibit about Mae West and her relationship with drag. There was an exhibit about William Dorsey Swan. Um, there is a really cool photography exhibit about Dragon Berlin. Um, so if you're listening to this the very last weekend of June, go check that out. Uh, go to my social media for more information. Um, but that's been my big project at the moment for this month. Um, so yeah, things are cool. You know, you guys know me. Like I'm always the kind of girl who's like always trying to find the cool things in the periphery of like the drag world and nightlife. Like what is, what is not just doing a show at a drag bar? What can I do that's different and engaging and changing the world? So that's kind of where I've been the last year. Um, so yes, I did see your TikTok about the Lion King. Um, I thought that was really fun. So congrats yeah. on that. Um, what has been one of your like um, favorite topics of drag history that you've been talking about on TikTok lately? Yeah, I mean, for me, really, I think it's been really good to talk about these drag bands that are happening in America, mm -hmm. um, really because I, and yeah, because I guess I see this history of drag bands, and I'll get into that more in our later segment, mm -hmm. but the, the truth is that, you know, drag has been banned in America previously, yeah. and <laughs> all those laws were repealed, and as far as my research tells me, those laws are repealed because of protest and people being really loud about it and people getting into the streets. Um, I don't know if you heard, there were a bunch of people who gathered at a bar in New York City called the Stonewall Inn and they threw things like shot glasses and, you know, such. And uh, there was and a not huge bricks. protest. And not bricks at all. And not bricks. Um, I have a, I, there's a video on that on, on my page. Go check that out as well. I did like a, a debunking all the rumors about Stonewall. There's but, so yeah, many. There's a lot there of rumors. There are. Absolutely. There was, you know, there's a lot, was a lot of civil disobedience in the 60s and 70s. And that led to these drag bans being repealed back then. And so I am really hoping to inspire this current generation to do the same thing you know and we saw we saw uh earlier this month you know target and bud light putting out their pride campaigns and getting eaten alive by the conservatives and them backpedaling and uh, my point being like i think uh, the keyboard keyboard warrior thing is just not going to cut it it's not going to protect us it's not going to get us our rights back when and if they get taken away so i am just really hoping to kind of use my platform to really I radicalize our generation and, and try to get us back out there and try to get us throwing bricks again. You know, it's, I think that's the way friends, like. 
and no one will die at Stonewall. And Thank no you. No one died. Yeah. No one died. No one died. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Especially with. I mean, we don't have to get into um personal stuff, but everything that's going on. Um. I am more fired up than usual, which is good. I usually complain yeah. about. I think that's drive. good. Yeah, I think that's good too. Um. I. I <laughs> uh, like. Especially, I always complain about corporate pride, and I do think corporate pride at right. the end of the day is kind of bad. But the lack of corporations this year who haven't had a rainbow like logo at all, right. even like borderline bullshit like that, I'm like, oh, they're right. not even pretending to like us. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Right. I know, and it. I also hate rainbow capitalism. Um, but I was checking to make sure I wasn't wearing like a stoly <laughs> shirt or something. Um. <laughs> I, I also think it's so fake but it also does suck too like at the same time like I do rely on the income it brings me and like and ask any drag artist this year with like a few exceptions yeah. um, ask any drag artist and like I would say literally I'm doing like 10 to 25 percent as many gigs as I normally do yeah like, it has been it has been a substantial loss for me mm -hmm. um and like you know do i really want to go to like some startup and and perform i'm coming out for them not really but um but that money is you know july and august are very slow months for drag yeah economically yeah. um so the money from june is about you know pays for me to like go on a summer vacation and like do things that like normal people do in the summer and yeah. It is going to be a slow year for me. And that's okay. It's okay. Because Pride is not about uh, parties on the piers and horse meat discos. Pride is about throwing bricks at cops. So if, if you haven't punched a cop today, you should. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I, I You can put that on record. I don't care. Caitlin is so annoyed with us. Yeah, I know. No, I don't care. I don't care. Just don't, don't arrest me. <laughs> I know. Um. Uh, <laughs> what was i gonna say yeah it's um so fun fact kids i'm very unemployed right now so being unemployed during pride month is fun I, right. I i have been unemployed during pride month before but i've had been able to like make up a lot of my needs through drag and i mean so far we're only a weekend it's been good it's been okay That's um fun. but it um i don't have a lot of things lined up this month than i usually do so I'm a little concerned. Um, and like Gina just said, the summer after, <laughs> it's not great for drag. Right. Um, especially, um, especially I would say August because everyone leaves in August. Yeah, and, no one's here. Yeah, no one's here. Yeah. So I'm uh, always here. It's me too. Um, yeah. Me too. Uh, I don't leave. I'm I'm having one vacation this year. And I'm going away for literally 12 hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, what the hell? But yeah, I, um, I don't want to end on like a terrible note. But like, enough about you. Let's go into. <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah, saying, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Caitlin, how's your pride going? What's new? <laughs> like I, pride exhausts me every year, and I always try to like kind of avoid doing a lot of stuff for pride, and I always end up doing a right. lot of stuff. So it's okay. I don't know. I, I actually got like, off for the actual um march. 
which oh, okay. I, have, I haven't been off for that in like oh my god you should you four should or five years. it's a lot of fun for the, the I... cor- oh i was gonna say oh. for the corporate bro- mm-hmm. uh march or for yeah stand up march yeah no uh, um stand up's usually what that's saturday no uh, it's the same listen you can do march you can go I'll, I'm probably like not parallel. doing either because right. I already have tickets for nightgown. So that's literally nice. all I'm going to try to do. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Maybe I'll try to go to nightgowns. That sounds it's fun. the same week. Or same it's day. the same day. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Boo. I know, boo. boo. Um, you can definitely march hop. We did that last year because like at the same time, literally a street away. And it is such it is a world of difference. It's crazy. That's yeah. So funny. yeah. But the uh, thing I like about corporate pride is that they give you a lot of free shit. And I miss that because I remember I got like a million like Chipotle like free cards or whatever. Oh, that's amazing. I was eating Chipotle every fucking day. I, I, I thought you were going to like say like uh, free like condoms. I'm like, girl, it's they give you, none of, none they of us give you that too. <laughs> and I have so many of those cheap uh, pride flags. Yeah, that shit I don't want. I want like the like I used to get really nice keel shit. That's oh. expensive. Ooh. At what the front, per- are you going to? You gotta uh. go in the front. All right, this is oh. secret, everyone. You have to go right, like in the fifties or wherever it starts, because that's oh. when they still have all their stuff she that they give out to pride. people. That's how I used to do it. I would get like the right. best shit. <laughs> oh my that's God. right, folks. This straight woman, we're stealing <laughs> our free stuff. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Ally. Yeah, Ally. Caitlin's, Caitlin's like one of the best allies in the world. Like Ally. <laughs> so funny i'm just giving her shit because i can but um <laughs> can. i mean yeah I'm, i support I, it is called uh was it be gay do crime so i support you caitlin it's um, not crime it's free <laughs> you're stealing from me you're stealing from me so that's a crime you're stealing from the gays who don't get up early enough to be there on time <laughs> i haven't done the like on uh, the march though in like four or five years so it's I cute it's cool uh, I haven't done. I think my last corporate march was World Pride, maybe. Mine was too. Yeah. Um, and then I did stand up or the protest march. Um, I think twenty twenty one, or maybe I no, I did in twenty twenty. I don't know if I did in twenty twenty one. I I don't like waking up and going to Manhattan early. So um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, Valid. Yeah. So. Anti-ways. All right, um, let's, <laughs> let's move let's on. Get, yeah, let's get into this. The meat of this episode. Uh, I think we say it all the time, but me and Caitlin started this podcast as like a queer history documentation because we're talking ish. to ish. We're talking yeah. to local upcoming legends, whoever. Um, and we're just documenting drag as it is right now. So it's kind of. That's kind of cool. Before it was under attack. Before it was under attack. No, and I think that's such a kind of cool, noble thing because, like, whenever I go back and dig around about like queer history and drag history, a lot of the times it's like, oh yeah, such and such existed, but we don't have we don't have a lot of photos of them or we don't have a lot of record of them, and so I do think it's really amazing that like in a hundred years, two hundred years, like anthropologists or whoever will have a wealth of photos videos information because we are constantly putting all putting it all out there mm-hmm. um so Make i it think it's for a great, last time. yeah it's a great mission to have yeah i think it's i think it's needed right now we, yeah. we just keep alluding to uh i guess 
That uh, we want another glam award? Yes. Uh, no, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Um, we just uh, want a nomination. That's no, I'm just saying I'm <laughs> um, it's it's very important right now to talk out about our history because um, this isn't the first time queer people have been attacked for presumably grooming children or being a menace to society, which I don't mind being a menace to society. I just don't want to be accused for the thing. Um um uh, yeah so it's not the first time we're being attacked uh it's probably not gonna be the last time uh but right now it's just the worst time no right. i, don't I think... mean the worst i think it's the worst time in recent times since i'll say that the since... 80s or like um, maybe don't ask don't tell like yeah um, we had a good marriage ban shit i was gonna say i think we've had a good maybe decade yeah um of like i think a good decade i mean I may be a little older than you guys. Like, I remember, like, all the no hate stuff. And, like... Oh, my God. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad how, like, it's all coming back. And, like, it's just... It, it, I guess, you know, trends recycle every 10, 20 years. And I guess this is the new one that's coming back. Um, we didn't ask for this Y2K <laughs> It really... But it really... If it's feeling... I'm, like, I'm, I'm in high school again. I know. Like, it really feels like that. It's weird... But whatever, yeah. like, you know, like Martyr said, like, it's not the first time it happened. It's I, I'm sure it'll happen again in like 10 or 20 years. Yeah. I um, do you guys know, like, either like what was like the the current tipping point? Like, how did it get so bad? No, uh, I, I do. I well, think currently. it's I, I think it's like the trans. I I mean, the trans right. bathroom bill has been like a thing for probably a decade. No, what oh. got it bad this this time around mm -hmm. was all the guns in the schools because I talked about this on the other podcast and mm -hmm. like Republicans were like we need to just like like distract people we gotta we gotta change the narrative right. because they're gonna blame us for this so then they just latched on to all the trans stuff that makes sense yeah but how did the trans how did trans um existence? how did they discover trans yeah how did how did conservatives who told like, them who told them um, I just, I don't, like, I get the connection of, like, trying to, like, get people away from, like, the guns issue. Yeah. And, um, in America, but I'm like, where, how did we, how did they get so pinpointed on trans that, like, um, drag got involved in that case, too? I mean, I can see the correlation in a conservative well, like, mind, but. Well, like, it's always we'll been about, to... like, you know. I mean, there it it gets complicated. Like there's misogyny yeah. and all that, but it's yeah, always been right. about like gender roles and like yeah. gender roles are extremely important, especially with controlling people. Mm. And so if you're going outside right. the gender roles of whoever it is, no matter what gender you identify with, yeah, that is very very scary for like the conservative mindset. Yeah, and so somebody it's, has it's to do a deep to, like, dive. One of us has to do a deep dive on lives of TikTok and see what their first first post was. <laughs> I rather not. I rather not. Oh, that lives of Tiff Talk. Oh my god. Um, I, I recently watched a video about Andrew Tate. Um, oh not completely related to the discussion, but it showed kind of, kind of. It showed how easy TikTok was being used to like, and I don't like using indoctrination, but like, kind of. Um like younger men um high school boys age of like how that content got to them um was right. through tiktok because it wasn't even 
um, Andrew Tate like posting, it was people posting his clips that just kept getting circulated and circulated. So that's how we're getting like these anti-trans like media like getting well also like things like um the joe rogan podcast now fuck him um no but like (laughs) so like i would i would work with people this is before my current job like who would listen to it and like Mm -hmm. they had very specific thoughts about trans people before like it was like very a hot topic Mm -hmm. and like they would get these like whatever their talking points were from the fucking joe rogan show right and it's like who who's talking to the masses and where are they getting this information um joe rogan's like i haven't listened to any of his podcasts and i don't i've never listened yeah i don't plan on it um but from what i understand is that his point of view is very much like both sides are wrong let's talk in the middle um Mm. and he approaches which i don't disagree with and it was in this strange way i don't disagree with that okay okay um i i think like and people see that's like polite conversation where just like oh he disagrees with this person um but he's civil about it and like i a lot of like conservatives think like queer people are like not being civilized in this discussion which i'm like i don't Mm. really think it's a discussion because we're literally fighting for our lives but um yeah that's where like he kind of comes in where uh, his point of view is not helpful because he just he doesn't put blame on the people that are actually doing harm. He just sort of like agree to disagree, and right, that's not, it's like that's, drama for yeah. drama's sake for views yeah. and clicks, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, right. um, that's so stupid. Yeah, um, yeah, girlies, girlies, gays, days. It's getting bad. Um, yeah, good times. Good times. <laughs> it is um we've seen as of i think this past week the tennessee drag ban has been lifted repealed repealed or at least deemed whatever it is unconstitutional by a trump appointed judge which is weird Um, very shocking but that is good news um and we can only hope the law for right now um protects us in that way because we do have some baseline protections um as a minority class because um it falls under sexuality and gender and um i'm not a lawyer so don't quote me uh <laughs> you mean in federal terms in federal terms um mm-hmm. you can't be denied certain stuff based on that or freedom of speech um i which... feel like freedom of speech is the big one yeah um yeah, Christians and uh, yeah, I'm blaming Christians, not all Christians, but I'm blaming Christians for most of this. Um, don't understand that freedom of sweet speech applies to other people besides them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Um, so it's a lot of things are covered under that, especially when it's government mandated. Um, these types of expressions are um covered under that so see what happens wow we got really political really quickly i know <laughs> I, I was about to tweet i feel like we're like serving some c-span realness i, love I know <laughs> i'm like oh god everyone's falling asleep i know um well i hope they're not falling asleep we're talking about important shit right now yeah, so this um, is current events and it affects all of us yeah that's true even you caitlin i was just about to say <laughs> It does. Even <laughs> you, Caitlin, the most. Yeah, all it of Caitlin's does. friends are drag queens. I know. I know. <laughs> if, well, I'm, I... 
If I'm yeah. in jail, who's gonna edit this? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh my god. Um. Well, now that we've had our political break, <laughs> should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, uh, let's kids, take a break. When <laughs> we get back, we're gonna talk about some queer history. We're gonna give a Wait, book report style. So I hope you're ready for some long listening. So true. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. And we're back. We're back. Okay. We're going to hear three tales of queer history. Maybe more. I don't know how many. We don't know. Yeah. We'll Uh, find out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Caitlin, what do you have for us today? So I wanted to talk about a topic, like not a topic, technically a person. That's kind of like very recent in like headlines, I guess. So um, the drag legend Heclina just recently passed away. Um, I got to watch the memorial online, which was great because I had done a lot of research on Hecklina for my book, but like it was kind of like whenever I, Gina talked about this a little bit, like whenever you're doing like any sort of research, it's like very limited. Like you have to kind of imagine what the hell was actually going on because there's not like just easily accessed like video or like documents on what was actually happening. Yeah. So the great thing about the, um, the memorial is that there was all this video and apparently they've been working on a documentary about the club that she had oh. that I'll go into but that's not hasn't come out yet but it was just nice to like like physically see mm-hmm. everything that she had worked on for since the 90s so I'm just gonna go into the history of Heclina and I just want to start with like my history with Heclina so I was really lucky to have met her one time for the drag queens of comedy tour in LA produced by Sasha Soprano. It was one of the best like drag shows I've ever seen. It had like a lot of drag legends like Coco Peru. It had my um my late drag mother um Lady Recator and Hecklina and Peaches were performing together. It was really funny. It was like a really like I I, I still think about that night. Like I can't believe I went to that. Like it was just like everybody. Like not necessarily like drag race girls, like just the drag legends. And it was such a good night. And, like, I got to meet Heclina and Peaches after the show. And, like, I got a photo with them, which I cannot find. It's driving me out of my mind. This is before I had iPhones. <laughs> but um, she was so sweet. And, like, it was just crazy, like, that I got to meet her. Because she was she usually was on the West Coast. So she didn't, like, really come to the East Coast, like, ever. So it was nice I had that opportunity. So I'm going to go right into her history. For, like, before we, like, get into, like, her specific history, I want to talk about her history with Peaches Christ, who is another drag legend. Um, So she had a controversially named club called, I'm going to call it T-Shack for the sake of this podcast, because I don't want to get canceled. As the only trans person on this (laughs) Zoom call, I'm going to say Tranny Shack. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so that was the name of the club. So I'm going to just say T-Shack as I read through this. So... Peaches and Hecklina met at T-Shack at DNA Lounge in 1997. Hecklina had started T-Shack in 1996, and according to Hecklina, they met the following year when Peaches moved to San Francisco. They have since hosted different drag events and co-starred together in numerous Peaches Christ parody productions, including 9 to 5 Inches, Peaches and Hecklina's High School Reunion, 
and whatever happened to Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> Many of um, Peaches Christ productions have traveled across the country. Some productions have gone international and they often feature popular RuPaul's Drag Race alumni. Hecklina's untimely passing happened on the road in London as they were in rehearsals for one of Peach's new productions. Hecklina considered Peaches her drag sister in, in crime while Peaches has declared Hecklina the funniest person she's ever met. So like everything going on, it's just been very, very sad and upsetting, especially seeing how like Peaches having to take on all everything going on because she passed away and peaches found her and like they were so close and they were like such a good duo like they were so funny on stage together and they had done so many shows together so it's important to mention peaches when you talk about hecklina so more about hecklina hecklina was the drag persona of steven grilka grilka i'm not good with icelandic names (laughs) oh not steven stefan stefan was born in minnesota but grew up in the in, in both Iceland and the United States due to his Icelandic mother. The Icelandic volcano he- Hekla inspires the name Heklina. Stefan relocated to San Francisco in the 80s where drag had no rules. Stefan began doing drag characters in the alternative parody theater scene. He says his influences have been Sherry Vine, Mistress Formica, and Lady Bunny, whom he consider- considers rock stars. In 1996, T-Shack was born. It grew to become San Francisco's largest, not largest, longest running drag event series. Hecklina posted on Facebook about T-Shack. Hecklina said, the club itself, it became a legendary San Francisco institution, a bastion of alternative drag and diversity. Every walk of life came to and performed at T-Shack. Gay men, lesbians, drag kings, M to Fs, F to Ms, faux queens, and yes, even straight people. It won every award for best drag show in San Francisco every year and is generally thought to have redefined drag on the West Coast. It doesn't matter and still does not what gender you were or what you had between your legs. If you were a great performer, you were welcome on the T-Shack stage. It grew to mean a great deal to a great many people. Since then, um, T-Shack changed their name due to the pressure of the of the slur in the first part of the word but it changed the name to mother mother it was yeah it was moved to oasis nightclub which hecklina co-owns one one thing that was interesting in the memorial they said that like hecklina was like the only drag queen bar owner which probably is not actually true but like definitely one of the few that exists in the united states which was a big deal they also talked about how like Hecklina was so business minded and like really, really cared about money, which is like, you know, it's interesting because Peaches was like, I was always like the art one and she always was the one who could afford to move to um, where the fuck was it? Palm Springs. <laughs> um, so last part on the LGBT plus YouTube talk show series. Hey, Queen Hecklina advised aspiring queens to form their own identity outside of YouTube to ignore the naysayers and to not take yourself so seriously. She also emphasized the importance of having a sense of humor while being both professional and entertaining. And that's my Hecklina roundup. Yay! <laughs> Good um, job. Hecklina was an icon. She briefly followed me. 
Um, oh, it's true. Yeah, she she did that weird like Instagram thing where she would like follow people randomly and then and unfollow then, them. Yeah, and I'm just it's like, hilarious. okay, you're you're an icon. I'll forgive you for that because I usually don't have yeah. tolerance for that. But um, yeah. it was probably not even her. I know. Um, <laughs> she's an icon. She's greatly missed. Um, but her legacy lives on. On well, drag it, me it, to dinner. Oh yeah, I forgot about drag me. I didn't oh yeah, that. I haven't seen that yet. I'm gonna go that was her this. last recorded performance. Yeah, that is so cool. I'm being mean, but no, <laughs> I, I, I want to oh, watch it. Yeah, I, I've heard it's not good, so that's why I, I don't expect it to be good, yeah. and that's why I want to see it. <laughs> but um, we no, she's um, she's an icon. So thank you. It for was sh- cool. It was cool to see the memorial and like see all the clips and like she really promoted like alternative drag which mm-hmm. i guess really was not especially in the 90s i guess like not yeah. a thing it's kind of like punk rock of drag mm. which i feel like yeah, brooklyn has that. definitely like done their own thing with that but like i feel like heclina kind of started it right so that's it yay yay well thank you for doing that r.i.p heclina icon icon i know <laughs> um did you get to watch sherry um, because we just recently had Jerry Vine on. Yeah. She... Oh my God. Freaking oh, yeah, um Jackie that. B. Oh hmm. my God. Was it good? At the at the so so one of the they were supposed to have three people with them for the memorial and the mm. third person like missed their plane, like they couldn't make it. Mm. And like Jackie B was just like freaking out, but hilarious. Cause oh, they, they sang a parody of um I think it's Climb Every Mountain from Sound of Music. They did a Sound of Music. Oh, no. How do you solve a problem like Kathleena? Uh, <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> but, like, everyone was just making fun of Jackie beat the entire show because, like, Jackie, like, like that part, third person not being there, like, threw her off a right. lot. But uh, it was hilarious. Uh, also, um, Bendela. That- what? Is that online anywhere? Can we watch that? I don't know. if they- Like, so it was, like, a live stream. I'm sure they saved it then. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if there's like a like if you could rewatch it, but I definitely yeah. recommend it. Also, um, Ben Delacreme and um Alaska were both there, and they did the same because Heclina was known for like her famous rim jobs, and they did the same joke for both their numbers about rimming guys on stage. Interesting, and Good it was them. very funny, especially the second That's time because Alaska was very obviously annoyed that Bendela did it first. <laughs> how do you, right. how is she known for her rim jobs? I'm so she, oh, so she, like, that was, like, something at um, T-Shack that she would do on stage. Um, so she, they get, like, they would usually, they said how Kalina, like, loves straight men, so, like, they would find straight men, and she would rim them on stage. I know those cheeks ain't clean. Um, yeah, no, that was, like, that's the whole thing. Word. Um, good lipstick to do that. (laughs) She must have had good lipstick. I'm I'm ending the podcast. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! All right, enough about the. I love the range of topics we've covered from politics to economics to rimming. Like they're really. I feel like that's queer culture and uh... queer culture, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Um, forget a glam award. You guys are gonna win a Peabody award. We should. We're doing. A A plus uh reporting right now. Right. <laughs> oh Pulitzer. 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 Um well um enough about our legend, Heclina. Gina RIP. RIP to the legend. Gina, what do you have for us? So I hinted at it earlier in the podcast, but I want to give kind of a brief 
smattering of history of drag bands that have happened um, throughout American history. Um, and I want to preface this conversation. This is something I struggle with as a drag historian. But of course, terms like drag, drag queen, drag king are um, phrases that have come into popularity mostly within the last 50, 60 years. Mm -hmm. um, and most of what I'm going to talk about are technically, quote unquote, cross-dressing bands. Yeah. Um, because, you know, back then they didn't call it drag. And for most of the 20th century, it was female impersonation or male impersonation. But anyway, or the T I word, because a lot of a lot sure. of people called themselves the T word. Yeah. Oh sure. And that yeah. was just or how you identified. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's how they identify yeah. that. Is and like transgender was not a word that even existed, like in the lexicon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tra I think transgender. I think it was like 1972. Was the yeah, word. and even that, that it wasn't really. Um, widely used you right. know <laughs> right absolutely um but anyways in terms of what i will refer to for sake of ease as cross-dressing bands the first that we can find uh was in st louis uh missouri uh which is crazy because you think of st louis as a huge drag city at the moment um and that was in 1843 and so most of these laws back then basically stated more or less because it was the 1800s, they were essentially saying you could not wear clothing that belonged to, quote, the opposite sex. Um, because obviously back then, women didn't really wear pants anyways, unless they were cross-dressing. So it was, you know, more easily policed back then. Obviously, nowadays, of our drag bands were saying women couldn't wear pants, people would riot in the streets. So maybe they should. Uh, and so interestingly enough, that 1843 law in St. Louis was repealed in 1986 um, and there was a drag queen named Michelle McClausland and she was arrested for doing a drag show at Uncle Marvin's Lounge in 1984 and the ACLU challenged that um, misdemeanor arrest and that led to that law being re repealed in 1986. So literally over like 150 years almost uh, in St. Louis. That's pretty crazy. Um, and then... I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear, of course, a lot of the drag bands happening now are in very conservative states like Texas and Florida and Tennessee. But I think our listeners, if they have, if they don't follow me already on social media and haven't heard this already, um, I think people would be surprised to hear a lot of the early drag bands were actually in states that we think of as being bastions of drag today. Um, most notably in San Francisco during the gold rush. Um, and I've actually done a little more research on this since I posted the video. I want to post a second video on it on TikTok. But um, so basically during the gold rush, obviously it was mostly men who were coming to California to look for gold. People were sexist back then. Women were not allowed to partake. And so that caused in these gold rush communities for there to be a lot of men and none or very few women and so, you know, the gentleman would want to drink. And, you know, back then, people loved to dance at parties. That was a big thing at the balls and such. And so, you know, they would, and they were, and they were, had a bunch of gold floating around. They, you know, they had some, some, some cash to burn. So they went through all these like fun, extravagant masquerade parties. And at the masquerade parties, because there weren't a lot of women for the men to dance with, some of the men would get up and drag and dance with the other men 
And we only really have like anecdotal evidence about this. We don't have like firm, firm evidence. There is some belief that in some cases, these men were doing it purely for entertainment, like how some men do drag today. And there is maybe some anecdotal evidence that some of these men were doing this as a means of exploring their gender. And this could have perhaps been the start of kind of a transgender movement back then in uh, the Gold Rush era. But we do have a lot of evidence actually to the opposite of that. Um, there was one uh, on record, at least one person, and I'm going to dance around the phrasing here so as not to be insensitive. There was one person who was born a woman, essentially. Uh, her name was uh, Charlie Parkhurst. And for, everyone back then knew Parkhurst as a man. Charlie lived her life as a man. She dressed like a man. And she was a stagecoach driver, which is something only men did. And it wasn't until she died that uh the coroner discovered that she was born a woman um so there's there is some anecdotal evidence of like a lot of gender swapping and cross-dressing in california during the gold rush but as that we entered the victorian era you know they were really wanting to attract families to san francisco and drag uh, and cross-dressing at the time was thought of as being very indecent so they placed a ban on cross-dressing in San Francisco, and that truly lasted until the 70s. That was repealed in the 1970s. And I'll talk a little bit more later, some theories as to why that happened. Uh, but another place in good old liberal California that also banned drag was Los Angeles. Um, this was in the 1890s, and they had this like annual All Souls Night party which sort of had like a similar vibe to Mardi Gras. And people were very uh, debaucherous. Um, the article I got this from described it as a bacchanal, which typically describes people drinking a lot and engaging in lots of sexual activity. And of course, people also cross-dressed at the time as part of the celebration and wore costumes sometimes of the other gender. And again, as they were trying to populate early Los Angeles, um, this left a lot of newcomers to the city feeling very uncomfortable with this sort of very liberal, outlandish lifestyle as one might discover in Los Angeles today. Mm -hmm. um, and so they also placed a ban on cross-dressing in LA at the time, which is interesting because um, that also stayed on the record for many, many years. And from what the research I've done, it seems that because in Hollywood, of course, they were making movies and especially during the time of vaudeville and the silent pictures before the Hayes Code, you know, there was lots of drag in film. And, you know, people like Marlena Dietrich wearing pants and men's clothing. And none of that was ever policed. None of that was ever stopped. It, it was fine for LA's cross-dressing laws. But what those cross-dressing laws in LA did affect, of course, were gender non-conforming people, or as we would know it today, trans people. Um, they were, of course, affected more so than anyone dressing in drag for entertainment purposes. Um, and that also then brings us to, of course, New York City, which I think a lot of folks may argue today is like the capital of drag. And in New York State, um, in the 18... 40s, I believe, they passed what was called a masquerade law. 
And essentially that banned people from dressing in exuberant costume or makeup in public spaces. And at the time that law was passed because there were people in uh, more upstate rural farming towns in New York who were uh, protesting like taxes essentially. And they were doing so by dressing up as Native Americans. Oh, and um, yeah, <laughs> fun, fun fact. And so they, of course, wanted to oppress the people from protesting. So they passed that law that kind of banned the makeup and, you know, of course, had feather headdresses. Um, and so, of course, who else wears feather headdresses but drag queens? And so in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, when they wanted to, again, oppress queer people, they kind of took those laws from the 1800s and they uh, kind of created their own like city ordinance in New York City, basically using those laws to say that instead of telling people you can't dress as the opposite sex, um, they made a fun little rule that you basically had to be wearing at any time three articles of clothing that pertain to your assigned sex at birth. So from what I would imagine this meant for drag performers and trans people at the time in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s in New York, um, I what I think this meant was you probably had to, like, if you were what someone would, would perceive as a man dressed as a woman, for example, you'd probably have to have, like, men's briefs on underneath your skirt or a men's undershirt underneath your dress or men's socks on. And they would strip search people in the middle of the street um, they would raid bars such as the Stonewall Inn, and they would check to make sure people had at least three articles of clothing pertaining to their assigned sex at birth. And so, of course, this was also really bad for trans and non gender nonconforming people because those laws were really heavily used to police them. And some of the research I've done has actually stated that they were really cracking down on people who were essentially assigned female at birth um more so than people assigned male at birth from the research i've done mm -hmm. and so of course you know i mentioned stonewall it is believed that a lot of the civil unrest such as the protests at stonewall in um was what caused these sort of cross-dressing bans to stop at least in new york city um there is no like hard and firm evidence that proves that but a lot of police records show that arrests because of cross-dressing lessened after Stonewall. And it was around that same time, the late 60s to early 70s, that we saw a lot of these other cross-dressing bans uh, get lifted. So I, I really believe that it was the civil disobedience and protests and rallies that, you know, got these drag bans to stop back then. And so, you know, it's happening again in America. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the people who are out there. I've seen so many amazing of my fellow drag artists, you know, in Texas and Florida going to state houses and um, uh, what's the word? Um, you know, going on record and talking about their experience and the work that we're all doing, you know, all the protests and rallies and fundraisers, it is helping. So I really think if you're a listener, especially if you're a drag artist, get out there, make your voice heard. Um, you know, tweeting about it is not going to change anything. 
Um, so you're either going to have to go research some local candidates and do your little voting, or if you're in a city or a state that is passing these laws, you know, go to your city and state meetings and make your voice heard. And let's organize protests and let's um, let's fight for our rights, friends. That's sort of my message today. I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. Um, what was I going to say? Um, when I was, so when we were talking about topics for this episode, I was doing, you know, some basic um, reading about other topics. But one of the other ones I was maybe going to talk about was um, I learned about the history of tea dances which oh, similar, yes. similarly to um, drag bands and stuff and just queer people being annoying to police brutality and everything. Right. Um, tea dances started because um, it was a way um, alcohol was banned at certain hours of the day. Um, and it was a way to disrupt queer spaces. Um, and to get around that, queer people were like, well, sir, tea and have a tea dance right um so and now they're still like an honored tradition not my scene but like you know still and I, a thing. actually i want to piggyback off of that because mm -hmm. marcia you're right but also it was i think up until we would have to google the year mm. uh, the early 60s it was actually illegal for gay people to drink together in public that's sort of part of it too. Gag. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And that's where if you if you guys know the bar Julius in the West Village, mm -hmm. uh, Julius Bar is well, there was essentially you know what a sit in is like back yeah. in the sixties mm -hmm. during civil yeah. rights. So they had a sip in oh. where they decided because they were basically um, were you know going to be told to leave the bar if they all sat and drank together because they were known mm -hmm. to be homosexuals, um, and they decided to stay. And have their drinks at Julia's bar. And that led to uh, gay people being allowed to drink together in public and this amazing gay bar culture. And now Julius is a gay bar, mm -hmm. um, which is fabulous. I love going there. Uh, it's my favorite gay bar. Julius. Yeah, <laughs> one of mine too. Honestly, and why? Because the freaking food is so I was about good. to say the food! The, the, uh, <laughs> truly, if you are listening to this podcast and you love a good greasy cheeseburger... Go to Julius Bar. It's cash only. Brings cash. Yes. Um, they'll make you a good well drink and a badass cheeseburger and the saltiest fries you will ever eat in your entire life. Um, I, like, you'll uh, eat one of your best meals in New York City at Julius Bar. I I swear, more gay bars need food. Um, bars in general need more food. Um, gay oh, yeah. specifically because Mama, I want to eat. Me <laughs> Right. It's it's crazy, though, because, you know, I as a drag performer have been very fortunate to perform in a lot of other cities. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because New York City is the only place. And I think there also are. God, I could talk about LGBT history all day. There, there, That's there why we have you on. Pro That's why we have you on. <laughs> there are some weird. Um, well, this isn't even queer history. This is just like history in general. Yeah, there yeah. are some weird prohibition era laws that I think have only just recently been repealed that I think banned you from having food, drink, and dancing in the same location, which is part of why a lot of New York City gay bars don't serve food. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. I didn't know that. Um, history is wild. But it's crazy because whenever I go to, like, even, like, Connecticut or, like, other yeah. places, Chicago, and it's, New like, Jersey. All, all the bar, yeah, New Jersey, exactly, New Jersey, 
all the gay bars have food and like a lot in a lot of places like the gay bars are known for having like good food and like people will, like go to the gay bar to eat. yeah so like yeah like straight people is, just straight up go yeah it is weird that the gay bars in new york don't have food but i guess it drives me insane it drives me insane At i think least, we should so, all start our own bar uh, listen listen <laughs> i yeah i i would that is like on my i you know i'm in my 30s and i am thinking about about what I want to do with the rest of my life and that yeah. is like top of the list of like things I want to do is potentially open my own I say we if all buy Kellogg's like, well we all Kellogg's. I no I, I joked about that on Twitter I was like someone give me a million dollars I will I will buy Kellogg's and I mean you could turn Kellogg's into truly the most sickening like essentially imagine the Brooklyn version of Lips or Hamburger Mary's but like make it Brooklyn how oh, sick baby. would that be? Marys would be so nice. Baby. But like not not an actual hamburger Marys. No offense to them. Love them. Also, I like food, their but, food. Um, I like their I food. I love their food. My my it's mom good. lives near the hamburger Marys in Long Beach and she goes. For, I like, still haven't been to the Long Beach one and like I yeah. I've heard about it forever, but it was it's always huge. so out of it's, the way. It's definitely one of the big ones. There yeah. was one in my hometown and I never went to it because I didn't know what it was. <laughs> That is so at the funny. time. This is a decade right. ago, girls. So. That's fair. No, I, I, in the you. I She's still in the closet. I'm still in the closet. What are you talking about? I know uh, you are. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> uh, oh my god, drag bands. I I yeah. hate that since. I guess I mean, Pride's always been a protest. It's always been a riot. Um, I just hate that since I want to say like marriage equality. We've had to like. We just been have having to force us ourselves to like keep advocating for our livelihood, our lives, and our rights. So, but people think since we got marriage equality, it's fine. But anyways, right? I won't. I'll get it on is. my soapbox. <laughs> no, no. I, I I'm I'm gonna hop on your soapbox for one second, please. It is interesting because in the early and again back then they called it the gay rights movement. Obviously, we'd think mm-hmm. of it more today as queer liberation, but Back then, there was a, a similar feeling where a lot of gay people were looking for assimilation into straight society. So yes. they were looking, especially to just straight, be, not straight, especially cis gay, cis, cis white men. Sure, yeah, white um, men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. No, say it. I mean, I, listen, yeah. I, as a member of that community, <laughs> I can, you know, that's the history, like, <laughs> and that is history. And and but there, then there was a, a sort of divide there because a lot of people were saying, well, if you stop at essentially gay marriage, that prevents the whole rest of us. You know, none of us are free until all of us are free. So it's it's fascinating how even God, I can't do the math. I think at this point, sixty years ago, I it's crazy. I used to say fifty years ago to me in the 60s but now I have to say 60 years know, ago to me in the 60s crazy. but you know even 60 years ago they were having the same conversations and it's so true like I think a lot of people you know and a lot of allies you know the whole love is love phrase really comes from the gay marriage movement and yeah, yeah. sure gay marriage is legal hopefully for much longer I'm a little worried about that too <laughs> I know <laughs> well, I mean the Supreme, <laughs> Supreme Court put put it on the bullseye they're right they're ready to take it back but, um yeah no I I agree like I think you know we we can't stop it gay marriage and we can't stop it love is love you know well I think this is why looking back at history is so important because like we've mm. had like gay leaders like jose zaria if you go into that history like what did they do when everyone was getting arrested night after night after night they fought back they got into the 
political right. field. They represented themselves. Like San Francisco still has like the highest, like I guess, like representation politically right. when mm. it comes to like queer people. So like there, it can be done. You can fight oppression. Like you just have to learn from the past. Period. Period. Mm. I have lots of thoughts. Um, I just when I worked at um, an AIDS archive, um, I know a lot of people around Trump election were like coming more to the archive to learn how to like properly protest the government because it was it's still the only proven protest that like fought for health care um, and we got like good health care or better health care um, yeah. options for people. Um, but people were looking back on it, especially for um especially um uh, with black lives matter movement that's still ongoing um how to organize because I, I i agree with what uh you've been saying gina um we need to say get off the computers and get out into the yeah. physical physical space um so <sighs> also participating in local politics is important because so many yeah, people agree. don't show up I agree. Because yeah. my husband's brother, he works in the political field. And like, mm. if you, it, it it doesn't take that many people to actually make a difference because so many people are like apathetic and they don't care. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't take that many to just like, even if it's a minority group, you just need to show up and like put in the and work, I guess. These are representatives in local politics. They want our help and they want our participation. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think getting involved in local politics is so important. You know, learn learn when your local learn who your city council member is. Yes. Learn who your your state representative is and your state uh your your federal rep, you know, your con- congressional representatives. Learn who those people are and learn when those elections are. And, Absolutely. and do some research. And, and the primaries and, especially cuz primaries yeah. change everything. Look at who yeah. we have as mayor. A lot of people didn't show up. This is who we got as mayor. So it's true. Every election is important, especially the primaries. I always feel I always feel weird about discussing local politics. I'm a I'm a bad person. Um, well, you technically cannot vote in New York State, right? Yeah, I vote. But in I mean, I mean, oh. your vote is more necessary. Yeah, I, think yeah, I vote I know, in Florida. <laughs> I know so many New Yorkers who vote in like Florida or like Tennessee or Georgia. That's great. No, keep that. We, yeah, we I, need, I, I keep it. Um, right. Yeah, but uh, you, uh, but you're still part of their district, so you can yeah. still put pressure on them, even if you're not. Yeah, oh, yeah, you like physically send, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're still a constituent for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I always feel weird because people will shame me like you're not voting local, and I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> but you're voting no. local to your district. Then yeah, you're not technically. Let, I, I think. Rich. Listen, I think you you get a pass for Florida. Like, okay, thank like, you. <laughs> I because I'm from California, so like, yeah. Me voting in California is a waste. So, like, that's why I vote here, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think I think Florida, Texas, Alabama, Georgia. But even. You get passes for all of those. But even places in New York are still conservative. Like, I still oh, vote for Staten sure. Island. And, oh, like, yeah. Staten oh, Island that's is real. insanely Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's real. I know. Even parts of, I guess, Williamsburg, too. Shit. Yeah. Long Island. Look how they got yeah. freaking. Right. What's his Not face? Not to shade my own people, people. but, you know. It's not just the Christians who are conservative. Let me tell no, you. No, no, not at all. Not at all. It's not just the Christians. Nope. Oh. 
Ooh, every every religion has it you know you think it's yeah. not it's not all muslims not all jews not all christians like it's you know it, it's, but it's, every it's, religion has their conservative sex. yeah it's crazy yeah, absolutely um i think it's crazy because the amount of dl jewish guys i get oh oh baby. i'm sure it's a lot oh, i'm baby. sure it's a lot so sure <laughs> that is baby. wild well especially um, where you live I know. Oh my um, god, that could be a whole podcast episode. Oh my I god, know, that's its own. I would love to hear some of those stories. Not to brag, but I have slept with a prominent figure in every religious <laughs> domination. <laughs> no, here, that is that is a bringing upon world peace. You could write a book about that. People would read that. That's crazy. That's an HBO series. <laughs> HBO. That leads into my topic a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Going on about um, bands and queer history and rioting and all that jazz, I want to talk about my favorite subsection my, uh, of culture, the ballroom scene. Um, and specifically, Paris is Burning, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, it's a comfort movie, and I'm, I'm sure both of you have seen it um of course yes many times um i at this point i think it's like queer history 101 like it's a necessity to watch um but i feel like a lot of people don't really look into like after the movie what happened with that um those people that culture so um for this little segment i wanted to talk about that a little more um but for general rule uh grounding um paris is burning is a 1990/91 the dates are always confused um documentary about the ballroom uh, the east village slash west village slash harlem ballroom scene <laughs> um i say all those places because um the physical balls were held in different theaters in those locations but primarily after the success of the movie and um this the wave of popularity that happened with madonna's vogue um they eventually went back to Harlem, but there is still practice um various places throughout the city. I know for one instance, there's OTA, which is um open to all, which is like an open uh ballroom category um every week at three dollar bill. Um I haven't made it out because I know it goes to four AM and I baby, I am asleep. Um, but I do <laughs> want to go. Um anyways. It is a documentary by Jenny Livingston. Um, it's her first movie. Um, and it's highly criticized for the appropriation of these people's story. And um, after the movie was bought by Miramax, I believe in Miramax, um, they wanted more money. Um, and they did fight for more money from Livingston because originally in their contract, um, it was mostly verbal. From these um these cast i don't want to call them cast members i don't know subjects is that more yeah documentary subject. yeah um because cast makes it sound like it's a play and it's it's not <clears throat> um, i mean they were part of it's technically part of the cast list yeah though, even though um, it's a true subject yeah so um these subjects um fought levingston for money and then and interviews later she's like i graciously gave them um i believe i believe she sold the rights for um a quarter of a million dollars and she gave uh she asked the people that were involved how much money uh like fifty five thousand for their 
part in the movie um and not everyone took it um i'll get into that more later but this this movie that's so important to me is so highly contentious in the ballroom scene um because it is very much like a white savior movie it's very much like a look at this thing i discovered and then um levingston is not in involved in the ballroom scene after um 89 um and doesn't really interact with the cast the the houses anybody in the scene after that um which i think is not couth um and yeah it's just um i'll i'll get into this a little later but i'll i'll talk about backlash in a little second but i wanted to talk about the main subjects of the film um there's about um i think 12 or 15 like talking heads in the movie where uh, different cast members subjects were talking about their lives um the scene and just how life is being in this culture and also being around the AIDS epidemic um the height of queer visibility but also queer hate and queer violence but um we have about 15 key players um this movie came out 33 years ago 32 years ago depending 89 right um it came out in 90 slash 91 it depends oh, on God. what subject you're asking um of those um, 15 people, how many do you think are still alive? I mean, I know, I I so. Know. I do yeah. know, so. <laughs> Two. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go over some of these um, people and talk about their story. Um, and we're I think we're just going to kind of dive into it. Um, I'll go okay. over to them fast because um, a lot of their stories, sadly, kind of are the same. Um, Tragic tragically the same yeah um so our our main diva peppa labeja is the daughter of crystal labeja who famously was in the documentary the queen um which highlighted the pageant scene of the early 60s and it kind of led to the creation of the ball culture itself um this fact's kind of contested but um it is largely believed labeja is the longest running house and the first house and Pepper is the I won't, I won't even say daughter. She's more of a sister. She was also in the Queen briefly. Um, you can see her in like a little glimpse. But um, she sadly um passed away in two thousand three. Um, I believe of cancer. A lot of these like causes of death say cancer. Um, I can only kind of I don't want to assume, but um, a lot of that times that's the straight way of saying they died of AIDS mm -hmm. or AIDS complications. Mm -hmm. Um. But it is also 2003, so medicine was a little better. So I, I'm not going to put a label on it. But um, um, you'll see the majority of these people died of cancer. Um, some people outright say it, but it's cancer. Um, next, I have written down Willie Ninja. Um, a lot of people say he's the godfather, grandfather of voguing. Um, I'll talk about it in a second. But another source said that voguing was invented in Rikers, of all places um for um i guess prisoners to interact on the i don't know what you call it the, the what's the open area of a prison called the yard maybe? the yard i guess maybe? yeah um i i don't know too much about the history i just learned that about that today but um something to look into cool. uh, I heard that. that was um, i think i vaguely heard about that 
that was said by I believe Lewis. Um, he is the um a dancer that um vogued with Madonna. He's famously in the I think the Truth or Dare documentary. Um, and they also did another documentary of all the dancers from that tour. Um, like twenty years later, good documentary. Don't know the name off of it off the top of my head, but I'm sure that would be easy to find because it's Madonna. Um. So Willie, um, grandfather of Vogue, probably had the longest list. Um, Caitlin said this earlier, has the longest list of um career-wise. Um, he did music videos, he choreographed stuff, he worked with Madonna as well, um, especially with Vogue. Um It's probably the most successful Yeah, I'd say of that of this cluster. Like personality. Yeah. I feel like more people are more like most likely gonna know three names from this documentary, and it's gonna be Willie, um, Venus, and Dorian, and I'll get into them in a second. But Willie tragically died in 2006, also of cancer. Um, we're seeing a trend. Um, next, I have Octavia St. Laurent. Um, the beautiful darling face. Um, she's the one um, paralleled with Venus in the documentary um, of wanting to be a model. Um, and auditioned or tried out for the model competition that's shown in the movie. Um, I think it's the forward modeling agency. I don't know if they still do that, but um, that was like a big thing in like the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Octavia did. Um, she had a little bit of an acting role and a little bit of a modeling career, but um, mostly stayed in um the ballroom scene. And she became the mother of um Saint Laurent and won Mother of the Year uh at um a few balls a few times. Um, but she tragically died in 2009, again, of cancer. Um, let me just, yeah, I know. Let me just double check that I have this correct. I don't. Um, Octavia, <laughs> so Octavia did die of cancer. Um, okay. Willie died of heart failure, which is also a sign sometimes. Yeah. And Pepper died of diabetes um, complications. Um, she is, I think, one of the oldest living of these of this group, um, besides maybe Dorian, um, at fifty four. But most of them died, kind of youngish. Um, next, I have um, Angie X, the um, so uh, the mother of Extravaganza, Angie. Um, she is shown talking about Venus, her drag daughter, and she was a mother, um, as I said, of the House of Extravaganza. She actually died a couple years after the movie came out in 93 um, from cancer. Um, and she is immortalized in the house. Um, what do you call it? House music um, by Junior Vasquez, who was a DJ popular in the 90s. Um, he has a track just called X and it's dedicated to Angie. Um, it's actually a good track. I like it a lot, but um, highly recommend um, and that kind of gets us into the girlies that died in the 90s, because a lot of them, the majority of them, not even five years past the movie coming out, died. Um, and so we have Angie and we have um, the next we have Kim Pandavas, um, who is shown being a seamstress in the um, in in the movie. Um, she's seen with Frankie um, Pandavas, one of the only um, living cast members um they had a close friendship um kim is believed and debated to maybe be a trans man i don't want to put 
that label on him, but there's like conflicting information. Um, but died of a, I think a heart attack and he was like in his twenties. Um, so very young, um, crazy about that happened. Um, and then next I have Dorian Corey, the grandmother, I won't say grandmother, but grandmadam of the movie. She's most known for her quotable lines of, um, the one I quote all the time. Um, if you shoot an arrow and it goes real high, array for you. Um, I love her dearly. Um, she is notorious, as I think we should discuss right now, um, of having the mummy in <laughs> her her trunk. Um, this is a notorious story that kind of came out after her death, um, which happened in 93. She also died of AIDS complications. Um, so after her uh, after she passed away people went and um you know were cleaning her belongings and there was a um dry cleaning jacket um in it and when they unrolled it they found a partially decomposed person in there um and the rumors are oh he also had a gunshot in him the rumors are she killed a a john um that was attacking her um and didn't know what to do with the body because um conflicting reports but i think she identified as a trans woman um so she i mean she didn't know what to do so she hid the body um it is believed to happen in the 60s um mid to late 60s because they found a beer i don't know if they found a beer can or a beer tab of a particular brand of beer that was sold at that time. And that's how they kind of dated it. Um, what? They, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, and I do think they have a potential lead on who his identity was um, from reports. I'm not going to say his name because I'm about to say shitty things about him. Um, he was kind of an abusive person. So um, it was either John or an abusive lover. Um Maybe. I thought it was like an ex-husband or something. I don't or like something like that. Something like that. It was um conflicting reports. Yeah, no one knows. Yeah, that's why it's um I think it's really important that um Gina was talking about it earlier. We're gonna have like a wealth of photos and videos and stories in two hundred years about queer people right now. But like I keep reiterating, this happened this story is like or this movie's from thirty years ago and I right. I'm having trouble like telling you the smallest what actually details. happened. Yeah. Because yeah. um, nobody knows. And it's not from a lack of like bad research. I'm looking at. Oh, no, is that, that, is that yeah. you? Uh, <laughs> What's um, fascinating to you about Doreen Corey is how did she mummify a body? Like, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't that's know. Crazy. <laughs> I think my understanding it was in a trunk and it just stayed there yeah. for a while. And that's then what she, I assumed. She moved it. Um right. and it, I probably mummified in on its own, right? Yeah, on its own, yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know. Um there's been plays written about this incident. Um there's yeah, and I'll also get into another thing about it in a second. But um she's one of the more notorious cases from this movie because of that. Which I don't I don't think that should define her legacy either. Um because 
I rewatched the movie recently and she's just like a wealth of quotes and quotes that like people are using on drag race and just day to day life. Yeah, exactly. It's just, just like, um, I want her to be known for that and not so much about the body. Um, especially cause we don't know that much about it and we don't know what happened. It could have been self-defense. We don't know. I'm that's what I'm choosing to believe. I, I, believe yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I said earlier, but she died in 93. And then I believe I have one more person. No. The the last um, person that I have that has passed away is um, the name of the movie, Paris Dupree. Um, tragically died in 2011. I lied. I have one more name. Um, but one of the oldest living. Um, I can't remember. She... It was either her or Peppa um, LaBeja actually had like a wife and a child at one point. Um, I can't find my article at the moment, but I thought that was wild. Um, and then one of the last people I have written down is um, Hector Extravaganza, um, who was at the time of filming the f- father of the House of Extravaganza. He's not the original fa- uh, father who was also named Hector. <laughs> Um, he, he died in 85, um, but they started the house in 83. So he only had like a short reign, but, um, Hector was a big, um, AIDS advocate, um, and a big pillar in the community. Um, and we lost him fairly recently in 2018. Um, and, um, more, I, I think he's more well-known than some of the other people. Uh, folks because he's still been a pillar in the community so people um nowadays still kind of know him um he was a consultant on pose um from at least um the first season as well as some of the other living members which are junior um labeja who is the mc he's also well known for his quips and um his reading on the mic um he's known as one of the best mcs i don't think he's still practicing but one of the best mcs in the scene um we also have soul pendavis who is the military man um and i think him and frankie uh as i said earlier frankie pendavis is still alive as well um he's the like sort of the rambunctious kid that talks about Roy Rogers and mopping and um, he's still alive. Um, and then we have um, Carmen. I believe she's a extravaganza. She might be La Beja. There's a lot of names, girls. Uh, but she so I don't know, so many names. And um, she is one of the girls on the beach um, when they're when the girl is like um, I am living as a transsexual. I'm as free as the wind on this beach. And the other girl that goes, but that voice is still there. That's Carmen. And she is still alive and well. She is 60 years old and she's on Facebook and living her life. That's uh, iconic. Yeah. I, I looked up some videos and she was talking about like moving to London. And I was like, I love this woman. I'm glad she's still around. I don't know about Brooke um, Extravaganza who is the uh, woman that was talking about going through or just having her um, surgery, gender affirming surgery. Um, But I did find out about Carmen. So that was like a good, nice surprise. Um, 
The other person I could find a little bit of information about, but I cannot confirm that he is still alive because um, his last post is from 2020, um, is the little 13-year-old boy and the um, who's, like, talking about leaving his family and, like, just being, like, really cute and chatty at 4 a.m. in Harlem. Um, right. And um, I'm not going to say his name because they don't say it in the... Um, the the so. film but um respect for his pi privacy um but it is kind of easy to find so um maybe more research could be found out if he's still alive um i did baseline because i didn't want to i was getting into facebook and i was like i don't know him personally so it feels weird um and then the the other kid that was next to him the 15 year old apparently his name was angel um and they don't know if he's still alive but um yeah and then our last our last little name angie extravaganza um they're not angie excuse me venus extravaganza the most famous person from this documentary um because her death is tragically documented um in this um she sadly died in 1988 during filming um and not died she was murdered um let me yeah. state that out right and um, her body was sadly found um, Christmas Day, 1988, um, after succumbing to suffocation um, four days prior. So it took um, a while um, to unfortunately find her. Um, I did find where the hotel was um, today. Um, it's in the East Village or West Village. Um, do you know where the Starbucks is in the West Village? Like the big one, like right next to Stonewall. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hotel. <laughs> oh. Um, I feel weird knowing that now, but I'm like, right. I mean, wait. a lot of things happened over there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I so I just rewatched the film and just watching her and Octavia talk about her their dreams coming true and like being a model, being a wife, being like living a living their lives is like. A transgender woman and like right. one one of those dreams kind of came true and the other one didn't um it was really tragic to see um and that's what i, I want to kind of get into now um the history of this movie and like how ballroom has like been portrayed in the public conscious as of late um so i also watched the um spiritual successor of paris is burning uh how do i look which was um, a 2006 documentary documenting I, the last 10 years. I think I watched that one. Um, I can't recommend it as a good documentary, um, yeah. but it is a good document to see ballroom and like early 2000s and soul when some of these legends were still alive. Um, mm -hmm. And overall is it an uplifting kind of movie and talking about the same kind of struggles and stuff. Um, and they a lot of these clips I found out about the movie were um cast members from Paris is Burning talking badly about Paris is Burning and like kind of to promote this movie, which um I it makes sense to me because it's like community driven. Um this movie was like all community like wide widely made. Um but 2006 was like at the peak of like when the community like kind of disenfranchised or just um to cut themselves from Paris is burning and its legacy. But we um it's come back 
the legacy of this film has come back, um, especially with to the more recent stuff. Um, we had Pose in 2018 um, that lifted direct storylines from some of these people, and especially in season two, um, we got both the Dorian Corey body in the trunk um, story with um, Electra um having to having having a client as she was a dominatrix overdose and her having to hide the body and same shenanigans kind of happen and then in um the midway through the season um candy um is killed in a similar way to venus um i feel weird about these choices um to cuz i just had a problem with like calling them cast members but then like actually using these stories as like a fiction work is kind of weird i don't it ryan murphy does this all the time with his, his stuff this is a ryan murphy production yeah. where he'll take stuff from like american culture and like make it into a plot line into like american horror story um so but i don't know it feels very insidious to use trans violence or violence against trans women in such a way as a plot point especially when it was like based off a real case that's widely known but how much how much say did brian murphy actually have in the writer's room because i thought it was i know mainly, it, it um, was trans so, writers so the first season Ooh. more his work and i think the trans writers mostly took over the second season and third season um like janet mock was like executive producer i believe yeah um right. so, so um it was like a trans collective of like working on it but i'm also like i don't know much help, like at, at a critical point i don't know much like help it help, uh, adds to the community and understanding the story yeah. um because in the show andy's body's like shown um right. i think it's really dark i think it's a really yeah, dark it's a episode. Bleak episode yeah yeah um and I remember when um when I was watching it live, I was like disgusted by it, and then everybody else was like crying about the episode. Um, but it's also like trans people talking about their stories. I just think there's a better way to talk about tragedy, and without it being like mm. tragic porn, trans porn or tragic porn Trauma for trans. There Trauma we go. Porn. There That's we go. Trauma porn. Um, yeah. Um, and because I was fine with like the Dorian Corey stuff, I thought was just more like a. Kind of like a like a funny nod or not funny, but it was it did have like consequences in the show, but like a, a nod to that like. I mean, it's kind of like an urban legend. Yeah, it came out to right. be true, but like it was an urban legend. Um, if you know, you know. Kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, but with the violence against Candy in the similar way that like Venus actually died, um, because like um Venus and her uh her house mother Angie were both. They both died pretty close to each other, and they're both dead named in their um, burial. So it just sort of like, I don't know. It doesn't. I don't. I don't think it helps um, their legacy or remembering them properly to do that. Um, that's enough about Pose. I love Pose. Um, I, it has its problems, but um, I still have only like halfway through season one. They so, so season know. season two. I guess I just couldn't. I just couldn't really get <laughs> yeah. into it. I don't know. Um, season two. Um, they take like several like points from Paris is Burning, and they make yeah. like plot 
plots around it. Like they have a beach episode that's like modeled oh. after like the beach um scene in Paris is Burning. It's making me want to like revisit Pose. I love it's Pose. It's a good too, month guys. to watch it. It is a great that's month. True. Um true. and then um most recently and most tragically, we had Legendary um that started film uh, airing in 2020. And it was a documentation of like the scene as it is now, but in a reality competition. Point. Yeah, it's really more like competition. Yeah. Um, and it did have some one leader in the community, um, Naomi. Oh, it had Deshaun too, excuse me, as like um the voices. Deshaun didn't really judge, but Naomi was a judge. Um, so that helped ground it a little bit in ballroom. I tiny bit. And, I know they have like a lot of issues with the show and I agree with them. Um, and then as we were talking earlier, it was taken off um, HBO um, for tax reasons. So the episodes are no longer available online. I think they might be on Tubi. I heard that recently, um, but I don't know, but um, that's kind of the legacy of ballroom and popular culture at the moment. Yeah. Um and it kind of started with this movie and Madonna's Vogue. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, I understand their pain and their struggle with how it's being appropriated um, into like drag culture, but um, I, or drag and popular culture and just straight people saying like shade, it's crazy to me. Um, sure. <laughs> But Taylor Swift writing, writing a lyric about, you know, shade never made anyone less gay. Like that is like problematic for sure. That, that was like peak white woman. <laughs> right, um, right. I I have such respect for this film um, because it got to share these stories. And um, I think it's a very important piece of media and an important, important piece of history to like have that captured. But it's such a small fraction. And to ha- know that these subjects are like mostly forgotten or they're only captured in that way has always bothered me. Um, so I'm glad we're having more visibility right now, but it is really tragic about what happened with legendary that I'm worried about. I'm- Ballroom's always going to be there. They've said that countless times. They're not going anywhere. They still have the community. Um, but I'm worried about losing these important stories because the interest is dying because everything that's going on. And then also just how culture works. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's me sharing. (laughs) Sharon, I thought you were Martyr. Oh, oh, oh. that's my terrible share, share impression. Oh God. Um so this has been a very bleak episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're um, gonna have to throw in a break somewhere too, by the way. Oh great. I should be. Like somewhere. Can we can we break right now and go into the third part? Okay. Okay. We're taking a break, feel- kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll be right back. Bye. Bye. Wig, okay. I know, wig, I feel that already. Wig, okay. Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. I am ready for my wig. 
go flying. And we're back. We're back. So Jita is our special pride every year guest. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be back next year, hopefully, unless you're like super famous and we can't oh book you anymore. Your, your words to God's ears. <laughs> let's see. 2020. Listen, in 2020, I was like, 2020 is going to be my year. Yeah. And so maybe maybe 2024 is going to be my year. We'll see. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um. No, you know, uh, all I can say is come find me on social media. I'm always posting fun, funny, informative things. So find me, Gina Tonic NYC. That's Gina Tonic, like who I am, NYC, like where I am, because I'm always drunk and I always forget those two things. Um, and if you're listening to this when it airs, um, I will also be performing in uh, with NYC Panto. Uh, for those who don't know, a uh, Panto or Pantomime is a British, God, this is like dialogue from the show, uh, a British uh, form of theater that is done around Christmas time usually. So we did this show back in December at Don't Tell Mamas. It's called Peter Pansexual. And it's sort of just like a fun, crazy very queer take which is surprising because it's written by a straight white man but very well researched very queer take on the peter pan story i star as tinkerbell um but we're doing a special christmas in july encore performance i do not understand you christians and christmas in july but good for you get that get that coin in the middle of the year um that will be july 13th i believe let's fact check that real quick before it's Put to put to press. Um, July, do 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 thirteenth. Um, at fifty four below. Ooh, uh, that's a big venue. Um, it is a big venue, and it is my it is my debut. At oh my goodness! Below and um, not to listen. Uh, go get your tickets, but also go look at the ticket website for fifty four below because when you click on Peter Pansexual, it's not just like. Like, you know how, like, Broadway stars will get their name, like, above the title? When you go to the website, it literally says Peter Pansexual starring Gina Tonic. Um, so it's pretty sick. It's pretty wild. Um, I'm here for it. But that will be July 13th. It's going to be an amazing time. It's, you know, and most 54 Below shows are just, like, a bunch of people standing at music stands, singing show tunes. But, like, this is a full-on play with dialogue. There is music. Um, and you're supporting local artists. So go check that out. Um, I also have some other fun things that are in the works for this month. So go to my social media, go find that. Um, yeah, and let's party. Let's, you know, we June is Gay Pride Month. July is Gay Wrath Month. So yeah. let's let's be angry and fight the system. Amen. Amen. A motherfucking man. Um well, thank you so much, babe, for joining us again. It's been oh a my pleasure. god, thank you for having me. Anytime, it's a, a wonderful annual tradition. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every year it gets more depressing. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> that is so true. Oh my god, I'm gonna go back and listen to the old. Episodes. I know, right? I've listened to the old episodes that like not recently, so but <laughs> I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure last year I talked about AIDS. Um, I, you I did. Always, I always yeah, up. for um, sure. So good. Um. Well, anyways, I was Martyr. I was Sweet Pepper. And this was Wicked Out. Happy Pride, bitches. Go fight the good fight. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Chelsea Tepper. You can follow me on Instagram at C-T-E-P-P-E-R and read my book, The State of Drag, where I interviewed 175 drag queens from around the world. All proceeds go to charity on Amazon.com. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Drag the Martyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, dick pics, send them to dragthemartyr at gmail.com. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Pandora. And catch up with past episodes on work.com. That's W-E-R-R-R-K.com. Artwork for Wigging Out was provided by Glitter Baby Online. That's Glitter Baby Online. Thank you. <laughs>